Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. Of the two neighboring Arab countries upholding their peace accords with Israel, Jordan is always of more concern to strategic planners in Tel Aviv and their cabinet here in Jerusalem. Egypt's mainland is far away across the Sinai Desert, and its government seems relatively safe. But the Hashemite Kingdom has to contend with a Palestinian majority, cells of jihadi groups of vocal opposition to the economic policies of King Abdullah II, and security problems in nearby southern Syria. Israel has excellent working relations between its military and intelligence agencies and their Jordanian counterparts, and it has done its share to alleviate the chronic water problem arid Jordan suffers from, but there is constant fear west of the Jordan River that the Hashemite dynasty is just one bullet away from being toppled, leaving Israel vulnerable along its backbone. Can Israel bank on the East Bank to remain quiet? To analyze it, we're joined from elsewhere here in Jerusalem by Dr. Joshua Krasna, who is a lecturer on intelligence and Mideast security at NYU and research fellow at Moshe Dayan Center at Tel Aviv University. Thank you for joining us, sir. Also joining us from central Israel is Colonel in Reserve, Ruven Ben Shalom, who is TV7 Powers in Play co-panelist, cross-cultural strategist and associate at ICT at the Reichman University. Thank you for joining us as well, sir. And with me here in the studio is our TV7 editor-at-large and host of TV7's Watchmen Talk, Mr. Amir Oren. I must also add Powers in Play to that list. But uh, ultimately, we'll stop counting. Amir, to today's topic at hand, Jordan, uh, what should we know about this country? Of course, we just recently heard of uh, Defense Minister Benny Gantz traveling for a meeting uh, with uh, uh, King Abdullah II, something that even though occurred on multiple occasions in recent uh, months, years, uh, it uh, stayed far away from the camera lenses and was never published. Why now? So, um, um, as you um, mentioned the phrase, uh, a single bullet away, this is uh, a line that uh, Prime Minister Ben-Gurion used in a cabinet meeting uh, sometime in the uh, late uh, 1950s because Ben-Gurion uh, used to negotiate with Abdullah I, uh, the uh, great-grandfather of Abdullah II, the, the current monarch, and uh, that king, even though, or perhaps because uh, of his willingness uh, to reach agreements with Israel, uh, was assassinated um, at Al-Aqsa, of all places, uh, in, in Jerusalem, in the eastern part, which was held by, by Jordan. And so um, Israelis were uh, at first skeptical at uh, Hussein, uh, Abdullah I's uh, grandson, uh, because his father, Talal, uh, was, uh, was not eligible due to his mental illness. They were skeptical at uh, Hussein's ability to survive. It turned out that Hussein ruled Jordan for the better part of five decades. Um, and uh, uh, his uh, son and successor, Abdullah II, is now entering his 23rd year uh, in power. So apparently uh, they have... Uh, 
some resilience there. They know um, uh, how to use the levers of power as well as uh, foreign uh, help, American, British, and the rest. And as for uh, Defense Minister Gantz, he is now um, a political official, of course. He is in uh, Naftali Bennett's uh, government. Uh, the previous prime minister, um, Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, was quite uh, alienated to the Jordanian uh, uh, ruling uh, circle, and uh, they reciprocated. They uh, have warned to, form, to former uh, chief of general staff Gantz because of the excellent relationship which you referred to, and uh, because Israel uh, has contributed more than its share of water to uh, Jordan, it seems that for the time being, the relationship is secure, and Jordan will keep uh, serving as a buffer state between Israel and a potential Eastern Front going all the way from uh, to Iraq and Iran. Indeed, of course, uh, you went down memory lane with regard to history, and uh, we all know that, uh, you know, Abdullah I ultimately came from Mecca, where his father was the sheriff of uh, uh, Mecca or Medina, and, and uh, family al-Saud ultimately ousted the Hashemite dynasty and pushed them away, uh, of but, course. But that also, of course, has to do with Jordanian-Saudi relations. Indeed, which uh, still is precarious at most, but uh, nonetheless, let's bring our experts into today's discussion. I'd like to start with you, Dr. Krasna. Uh, to what degree is Jordan today stable, uh, considering the fact that uh, what Mr. Owen has correctly stated, it is a strategically important country for the state of Israel as well? I think that Jordan is stable. Um, I think one of the interesting things, uh, and, and your historical um, analysis proves this, since um, King Hussein came to power, um, everybody in Israel and everybody in the world was sort of assuming um, that Jordan is weak and that eventually um, something is going to happen in Jordan. Um, and one of, the, one of the sources of strength of Jordan is because it is weak, then first of all, it has strong friends, and second of all, it's um, the um, security establishment in the country is very careful to always be um, extremely uh, um, extremely uh, um, careful to uh, follow uh, developments in the country, and everything that happens in the country tends to be um, dealt with in a not very violent way, as opposed to other Arab countries. Um, uh, Jordan is not a, um, a violent state uh, towards its own people. Um, reforms from above, uh, the royal family in the end, with uh, it has some issues, but it's fairly popular among all the uh, among all the Jordanians, including Palestine. It is facing some serious problems in the past two years because of COVID, uh, because of the economic crisis that COVID is bringing out. And also um, in recent years, um, the Eastern uh, Jordanian elite has, found, has felt that it is perhaps being um, pushed out by neoliberal policies. And what you see there is this uh, development that, you, that we had at the beginning of the year with, um, beginning of last year, with um, uh, Prince Hamza that Prince Hamza was with the, apparently, the Jordanians are convinced with the Saudis, 
and with the Trump administration, um, was trying to stir up the East bankers uh, to either put pressure on the king or perhaps even replace him. But I think that Jordan, um, Jordan is fairly uh, is fairly stable, and I think that Jordan is going in, is right now in an even better position internationally because, as you said, the Trump administration uh, was fairly dismissive of Jordan. And the Biden administration is not and sees Jordan as playing a very significant part in its new strategy of sort of disengaging from the region and creating a new regional security structure. And in fact, um, there are 3000 American troops in Jordan and um, the Americans announced a short while ago that they're moving four major bases from Qatar to Jordan. So um, so I would say Jordan is 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 as always um, threatened as always. Um, on the brink of instability, but I think it is one of the more, it has proved to be, and it still is, one of the more stable countries in the Middle East. Colonel uh, Benchalon, I'd like to voice two words and, and take those and, and use them for uh, your analysis as well. One is strategic depth of Israel, uh, which is something Israel lacks, and of course Jordan serves uh, as somewhat a strategic depth for the Jewish state. And on the other hand, also what... Uh, uh, Dr. Krasner has raised is the U.S. announcement about the four separate bases that will move from Qatar, uh, the most keen and strong ally of Turkey uh, from all countries in the region, uh, to uh, Jordan, something uh, that uh, indicates maybe a shift of uh, the geopolitical dynamic in this region. Go ahead. As far as strategic depth, this is certainly a basic thing that we have to take into consideration with all our strategic thought because of our small country and lack of strategic borders all uh, depth all around. That means we have no time for early warning, which is why we invest so much in, in the fields that we do. Uh, Jordan certainly for many years has enabled us this strategic depth looking more east to other threats. And that's one of the reasons why our cooperation with them is so intense, many times usually under the radar. For instance, our border uh, border security with Jordan is a vital interest for both of us. And the fact that we have such a quiet border enables us to uh, divert our attention elsewhere. Uh, as far as the American presence, I don't see a difference. I don't see a shift maybe in their calculus. What we usually see, I think, is a difference in how overt or covert it is. Americans are involved uh, in Jordan for many years, and uh, their footprint uh, many times, I think, has been much more than we see in the media. That's everyone's interest, uh, interest and including ours many times. But this is many. Uh, this is usually this this game this uh, that we're playing, uh, and it's totally different levels. One is what's happening on the ground, what we and them are doing together to secure our you know, stability, fighting terrorism, protecting the border, and Overtly, many times, it's the other side that has the complexities and the sensitivities. The Jordanians have a serious problem with uh, uh, an opposition that uh, is voicing all the time criticism towards Israel. And even when we do things together that, of course, promote Jordanian economy and stability, like this deal with electricity for water, of course, the opposition there wants to negate this and they don't want anything to do with us. So a lot of that is rhetoric. And also we have to notice that many times the rhetoric on the Jordanian side is just meant to promote these narratives, even when they are completely detached from reality, even coming from the king himself. Because I think the king is a very good partner of Israel for many years. Yet once in a while we can hear him saying things about Israel that of course have nothing to do with reality. I don't know, like killing babies in Jerusalem or whatever. 
And then we sort of understand that he has to do that because he has to appeal, appease the internal forces inside of Jordan. The, the one the last thing I want to say about stability is that we Israelis many times make the mistake of an, analyzing the stability of others. And we usually say, oh, that regime, their days are numbered. And usually we are the ones that have these politically uh, instability. Uh, and we will notice that for many years, Israel and the United States are strongly involved with securing the stability of Jordan. Let us just look at Black September in 1970, the amazing moves that happened there with the Americans actually asking the Israelis to counter the aggression by Syria, the hundreds of tanks that were coming in all of this play. And again, usually under the radar and above the radar. And that's the fascinating thing in this relationship. Yes, um, if I could just, um, um, so um, Ruben is absolutely right, but we, we always have to be careful about this as well, because one of the things is that, yes, the security relations, the relations in, uh, on the ground, the military relations have always been very good. And to a certain extent, um, certainly in the past few years, up until uh, quite recently, that may have been a counterbalance to extremely bad political relations. But what happens is, in the end, the bad political relations, and in the end, the feeling of the Jordanians, for instance, that Israel is either um, not, Israel and the United States under Trump are not taking their interests into account, or are trying to score political points um, at Jordan's expense, and that was very much the way um, they had felt about um, the uh, possible annexation of the uh, of the Jordan River Valley. In the end, we always have to be careful that, in other words, the security, the good security relationship is is not always going to be enough to make up for bad relations at the at the political level. And we and I think that we as Israel have to make sure to put effort into retaining both of those levels. And um, and um, we weren't always good at that in the past few years. We're better at it now. The, the most, the most uh, durable um, vehicle in the Middle East is the jeep, the Jordanian-Israeli-Palestinian makeshift. Um, uh, you cannot really uh, ride it. Um, uh, you have uh, the wheel um, on one side and uh, the, the mechanism and all the rest. The, the point is um, Israel and Jordan have never really played um, only a two-side game. It was always tripartite. And uh, as long as Israel, after 1967, um, refused to have some concessions towards Jordan, it had to deal with the Palestinians. Now, um, almost uh, 20 years after the Oslo process uh, started, but it really started at Madrid, uh, at the Madrid conference in late 1991, it is obvious that the um, Palestinian Authority, which wants to become the Palestinian state, um, regardless of Gaza, is sandwiched between Jordan and Israel. And Israel will always have to take into account the wishes of the Jordanians in whatever arrangements it has with the Palestinians. For instance, the Jordan Valley. And what happens on the Jordan River, where sovereignty starts for the Jordanians and stops for either Israel or the Palestinians. So this is a very complicated game, and Israel must always bear in mind that it is not dealing only with Mahmoud Abbas, or perhaps with Yahya Senwar in Gaza, 
but also with King Abdullah. With that being said, of course, uh, it is in Jor Jordan's interest to have Israel and the United States assist the Hashemite Kingdom in maintaining that stability and in bolstering its economy and allowing it to integrate into the, the East Med Forum for that matter. Colonel Ben Shalom. Uh, I think that uh, the Jordanians have a serious problem recently. The, the, the clearest thing was the fact that they were sort of left out of all the process of the Abraham Accords. Just think about that. For Jordanians, their main agenda has to be as the custodians of the, the holy sites in Jerusalem for, for Christians and Muslims, as they claim, and the protectors of the Palestinian people. Their agenda has to be promoting the Palestinian cause, keeping it on the table, keeping it the main focus of attention. And suddenly... This was taken away. There was a strategic shift here where everyone's saying, well, we can go ahead with peace with the Arab world, and the Palestinian issue is not that difficult, not that challenging. And not only that, the Jordanians were left out. So I think we see a lot of what they're doing now is trying to put that back on the table. Uh, remember that uh, this warming of relationship with the Bennett uh, Lapid government now, um, you can understand why the Jordanians would want to utilize that, but I think. They're not going to get what they want because remember the basic ideas of Naftali Bennett himself, where he comes from, and this uh, this this government and their agenda now, which is always going to be with a paralysis that everything has to do. There's not going to be uh, a launching now of the peace talks and going to a two-state solution. So I think what the Jordanians are trying to do now, and even when they have a meeting that is supposedly supposed to be out of the press, but then the Jordanians will will leak it. With the right, again, with the right rhetoric, with the right terminology, the right photographs, it's it's saying we're still here, we're still the custodians, we're still protected, we're still promoting the Palestinian issue, and pushing to a two-state solution. Even again, even though again, it's not going to happen. Certainly not in this government. Dr. Krasna, I'd like to uh, raise also the fact because uh, uh, you raised the fact that the relations between the Trump administration and uh, the King Abdullah or the Hashemite Kingdom was not very good, uh, and of course. Uh, being left out from the Abraham Accords was quite a significant uh, setback for the Jordanian position, which remained the most vocal opposing uh, position to the, the Trump peace to prosperity, if you will, initiative, which ultimately uh, failed to come into to reality because uh, the the transition of, of power that occurred in Washington. But uh, to what degree do you see the Jordanians continuing to maintain a certain um, policy, if you will, with regard to changing realities on the ground? Because ultimately, the the past ideas or, or concepts that were presented over and over and over again failed over and over and uh, over again. So ultimately, if we keep on going that same road, what does it say about uh, the, the decision-making and the leadership stage? I'll, I'll say three things. Uh, the first is you're, um, you're, you were right to make the differentiation, I think, between the Abraham Accords and what they called the deal of the century, right? So the Abraham Accords, um, Jordan welcomed, right? It wasn't very enthusiastic about it. It didn't particularly like how it was done. Um, but the Trump, uh, the, the, the Trump uh, peace plan, of course, it was very opposed to. And it was very opposed to, of course, because the Trump peace plan basically accepted an Israeli narrative, which would have um, extremely damaged um, uh, their interests. And not only that, but the Trump administration um, was widely rumored to be wanting to replace the Jordanian role in Jerusalem with the Saudi role. 
And that was something that, uh, as, as Ruven pointed out, that they found um, extremely worrisome. So th that's the first thing. The, the, the second thing is that we have to remember that the Palestinians, like the Egyptians, by the way, um, that the Jordanians, like the Egyptians, can't ignore the Palestinians because they live next door to them. Right? It's easy for the Emiratis or the Bahrainis to say we're not going to do it, or even the Saudis to say the Palestinian issue is less important. But the Jordanians and the Egyptians don't have that choice because the Jordanians and the Egyptians are sitting on the doors of Palestine. And anything that goes badly in Palestine is going to go is going to affect um, uh, them as well. So they are always going to be more committed to the Palestinian um, agenda than other countries are, though they, by the way, very much understand, I think, that for the near future um, or even midterm, uh, middle uh, uh, term, there is not going to be any um, progress on a real um, uh, uh, peace, a uh, real uh, political solution to the United Palestinians, um, apart for no, if for no other reason than because Palestine is split into two, into two um, um, hostile states. And the third thing I'll just mention for a moment um, is that Jordan is pursuing a, a larger regional role um, in combination, a very interesting combination with Egypt and Iraq. And now, for instance, Jordan and Egypt are providing gas, by the way, Israeli gas, providing to Lebanon through Syria. And um, Jordan, Egypt, and Iraq are pursuing a policy to sort of um, um, reinvigorate the center of the Arab world and to strengthen them uh, after uh, the feeling that the, um, the weight of power in the, in the uh, Middle East has perhaps shifted too far to Saudi Arabia and the UAE and needs to return to its natural center and natural sources. Mr. Owen? Well, the um, the Jordanian Egyptian relationship, along with the Saudis, uh, only um, a few days ago, there was um, a combined exercise, a Saudi Egyptian maritime exercise called Tabuk, which is of course uh, one of uh, the uh, uh, bases as well as uh, a town um, on the uh, Red Sea. Uh, where American-made fighter planes are also uh, stationed. Israel was quite worried about it at one time. And the fact that Israel is now uh, firmly uh, based at CENTCOM, at the Central Command, along with Jordan, Egypt, uh, Saudi Arabia, and all the rest, um, perfectly aligns Israeli interests, security, military, diplomatic, with the reality on the ground. And uh, Israel is perhaps, Israel and the Arab world um, uh, are perhaps only one or two agreements away from making good on a very, very ancient dream of laying um, a network of pipelines and roads through Jordan, both to Aqaba and East towards the Gulf, and this could change uh, the uh, entire economic outlook uh, of Jordan and bring it um, into the family of um, developed nations. And granted also significant leverage over Israel for that matter. But it will also get a foothold at either Haifa or Ashdod as its own um, route to the sea. Indeed. Well, we're drawing near to the end of the program, and I'd like to touch on on a 
specific question that doesn't necessarily have to do with Israel-Jordanian relations, but rather with uh, Jordan's current state of play uh, as a member of the Arab League, if you will, we see more and more countries from uh, the the so-called moderate camp, the, the Sunni Muslim camp in the Arab world, uh, retracting obligations or acquisitions from the United States and shifting them in the direction of uh, China, uh, including the significant uh, acquisition that uh, the United Arab Emirates uh, intended to make, uh, uh, actually shifting Uh, from the United States to France uh, in this uh, particular situation. Saudi Arabia, there are reports about uh, this aspect. And there's also a significant uh, uh, activity, if you will, with regard to diplomatic endeavors from uh, the Jordanian or the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan towards Syria, the same coming from the UAE towards Syria, all kind of shifts that do not align with uh, Washington's historic posture, if you will. How do you see this? Is this something that the United States should be concerned of and therefore Israel too? Colonel Ben Shalom? I'll answer in short, because I'm not an expert in this field and I want to I want to hear Dr. Kressner, but in my vision, Jordan is a relatively small player here. They punch above their weight in rhetoric, but I think they're mostly concerned with internal interests, with their challenges in economy, their Palestinian majority, the stability of the regime, the big issue of the Palestinians of the threat of being perceived by some as maybe the future Palestine. And I think these are the issues. And as far as rhetoric, no challenging as far as being dominant or leader, leadership. And as, as far as the American side, I don't see any shift in the near future. I see them perfectly aligned with U.S. interests, stability with Israel, good cooperation. So I personally, I may be wrong, don't see a difference here. Dr. Krasna, you have exactly one minute. Okay, so first I'll just say that regarding Syria, um, Jordan and uh, the UAE and Egypt are pushing for Syria to be uh, renormalized in the Arab world. And uh, one sign that we're going to see is in March, whether they are uh, invited to participate uh, for the first time in 11 years in the um, Arab League meeting. The Arab League makes its decisions based on consensus, and apparently Jordan and the UAE and uh, Egypt are working very hard to get that um, uh, um, to get to get Syria back in. And it's not at all clear that the United States is against us. The United States is willing to waive the Caesar sanctions for the deal providing gas from Egypt and Jordan uh, to um, uh, to Lebanon, even though that will be going through Sir- gas and electricity, even though that will be going through Syria and Syria will be benefiting from it. My and I think while the United States doesn't um, doesn't want uh, would would theoretically be happy if Syria didn't return to uh, nor, uh, to be uh, um, normalized to be accepted in the international committee uh, community, I don't think that they're going to uh, make it a major uh, um, friction point between them and their Middle East ally. There are. Uh, well, we'll have to revisit this topic as uh, it seems that uh, there are implications to this beyond the time that we have to discuss it right now. But um, this is all the time that we have for today. I'd like to thank Dr. Krasna, Colonel Ben Shalom, and Mr. Owen for being part of today's panel. And I'd like to thank our viewers as well. And we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.